I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Regular season has ended in playoff disappointment for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Stanley Cup playoffs are incredibly hard to win, but with all the talent on this team, it's harder to excuse bowing out in the first round repeatedly. Uh, good evening and welcome to the Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. And this episode's all Penguins. Um, and we're going to fill it with all the vitriol and everything else we can think of believe me (laughs) um going with a little different format today i always do these shows as a as a round table with three or four people but this time i'm just thinking with the subject matter and where we are i'd really rather just have jim and i banter back and forth and just get as much out as we can because i think we're both the type that are going to stew on this for a little bit um jim stam say hello to everybody um tell them where you're from and where your passions lie hey guys how's it going uh obviously uh i'm jim and i am a big twitter monster so yeah you know where to find me on twitter hopefully if not it's for the city underscore 412 and at jim stam 22 and we got a lot to talk about today with the penguins don't we gary Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's almost hard to pick where to begin because, um, you know, I I feel like a lot of people have simplified what happened down to, it was all Tristan Jari, but I mean, there was other things that, that kind of went, went wrong in that series. And I, you know, we'll we'll touch on all those. I I mean, we might as well start with it. Why did we lose this series? Why did the Penguins not get past the Islanders again? You know, it, I mean, first of all, it's it's becoming a little bit apparent that you know all when when we sit and we watch sports and certain sports more than others, but um, things you know sometimes just really come down to aside from obvious things, but just we're talking matchups, and certain teams seem to give certain teams problems, and uh, certainly. You know, lately, uh, the Islanders have become the uh, kryptonite to the Pens. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, things just seem to um, uh, go sideways when we play them. And it's odd because the regular season, we did quite well against them. But we all know that the NHL playoffs, that's a different animal. And it's going to be played a different way. It's going to be called a different way. Yeah, there's a big one right there. (laughs) You know, and that doesn't. That doesn't. Um, or early on in the series, I even said, you know, the the, the refs are, are they're they're swallowing their whistles a little bit, and that that's not going to bode well for the Penguins in this series. And How many years in a row does that catch you by surprise, though? I mean, that's that's what happens every single year in the NHL playoffs, and every single year we complain about it because, for the most part, the Penguins are built to be a special teams dominant team, right? So yeah when you build your team like that, and I'm not saying they shouldn't perform at five on five, but they're, they're built to take advantage of, of people taking liberties against them. You know, they're built to get that odd penalty and go out there and make you pay for it. And when that doesn't happen, which the playoffs, it, it tends to not happen. You need to exploit other ways to get, to get goals and, I mean, I think in this series in particular, they did okay getting past what the Islanders were trying to do. The Islanders are built to keep you to the perimeter, keep you away from the front of the net, keep you outside the circles, right? Right. The Penguins offense is built to stay outside the circles and cycle and then have somebody sneak into the box and receive 
you know, a shot opportunity. Well, the Islanders took that away. So all they do is just skate around the perimeter. It, it almost looked like me at North Park in eighth grade. You know, I mean, like, it, it would look like me yesterday if I tried. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I get what's going on there and I understand why the Islanders are a bad matchup for us. I do. Uh, Sorokin was good. He didn't give up any rebounds and that, I mean, that's a, a big thing. You know, it's not, it's not so much that I think the shots he was stopping were that incredible because I mean, the Penguins were taking very weak shots. They really were. I didn't see m- many, many people really with conviction shooting, you know, um, from any kind of danger zone. And we've got about two defenders who can actually get a puck through to the net from the point. So, yeah. you know, you got Matheson. I, I think he does a good job. CeCe's excellent at getting pucks on the net. But if there's no rebound and there's no deflection, that's going to be a stop most of the time. So and then the other end, I mean, yeah, Tristan Jari just couldn't stop anything. I mean, he looked, he looked awful. I mean, I don't, it's, I'd love to tell you it was just all positioning or whatever, but boy, it was bad. It really was. And I know um, in Dayon's piece right after the game, you know, he, he talked about maybe it's time to get rid of Mike Buckley. You know, um, what are your thoughts on that? It's so hard. You know, you when you see when you see players and they just they they go into this um, this funk, and boy, he got in one really fast and just couldn't seem to get out of it. Um, I don't know how as a as a coach you can control that. Um, because it's so, I mean, clearly we're not talking about his ability here, are we? We're talking about uh, uh, mentally, uh, he seemed to have uh, lost, obviously, his confidence and concentration or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I, I don't know how you safeguard against that. You know, the, the, that's the thing. Do you think thing. that's all it was, though? I mean, do you think it was just a loss of confidence or do you think – that the eventual loss of confidence comes from him playing so positionally incorrect. Well, he 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 does do that. He makes some really he makes some really curious decisions um, with the puck and what and what he wants to do with it when he does actually get a hold of it. Um, I I just really hesitate when you see a guy go in the tank like that. Uh, as quickly as he did uh, in, in all aspects. I mean, was he doing anything well in that series? No. And like okay. what I've said about Jari all along is if you want to know if he's going to play a good game, watch how he handles the puck because if he handles it with confidence, he, he feels really strong about where he's at. Yeah. And when he's handling the puck well, he's not, he's not laying back deep in the net, you know, which is what exposes that glove hand. Right. He's not, you know, he, he's making himself big. He's making those stops and he's eating up rebounds when he's not confident in that, in the way he's handling the puck, he's not confident in any aspect of his positioning. So all that being said, I mean, cause I, I think we watched him explode and we watched him explode during the middle of the regular season too. And, and they had to Smith to go to for, for a week or so there to kind of write the ship, if you will, a little bit. Right. Right. And then he came That's back and, and he fought his way through. Yeah. Then there, and, and he had time to do it, you know, um, during the regular season, you have time. Um, but I, I feel bad for DeSmith. I'll be honest, you know, um, people are, are, are uh, obviously everything's at Jari right now and right, rightfully so, but I feel bad for DeSmith because I think he would have gotten his shot. I mean, I think he would have gotten a chance in there. I, I think they were just, they were stuck with Jari once things started going sideways, um, especially in that those last couple games. They 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 felt they did not have an option, and I think the Smith they would have felt comfortable bringing him in. I don't know, maybe you feel differently with that, but I I feel bad that he didn't get an opportunity. I would have loved to have seen how he would have responded. I think if they had the Smith, uh, they probably make a goaltending change in game two because you think that early? Yes, I the game one. That was that was quite possibly, besides the very last game, 
that was probably the worst I've seen Jari look all season was in that first game. And uh, I'm not sure he would have survived that game, let alone made it to game two before they made a change. I mean, he was positionally off and just, you can just tell with him when he's playing too deep in the net, it's going to be a bad night. It really is. He's just not got the size to compensate for that. And the reason that I, the reason that I really like uh, Dayon's suggestion of getting rid of, of Mike Buckley potentially is um, I felt this was a problem with Matt Murray too. So (laughs) I feel like playing too deep in the net was something that, that afflicted both of his last pupils and uh, it's time to change something up, you know? Yeah. I'm not against it. I just, uh, and and if it's a a cumulative thing and that's a good point with Murray, um, if it's not an isolated incident um, and maybe it's not, um, but yeah, I'm not against it. I just, I, I hate to just go right to that. And I'm not suggesting that's what Dehan's doing. It's just, I mean, it's a valid point. I just, um, there were, I mean, he just, you could clearly see he, he wasn't doing anything well. Uh, and he looked to be, I don't know, a shell of himself. And obviously um, they just, there were so many people screaming for them to, to make a move. I don't think, they had a choice. I think once there was no DeSmith, I think they had to stick with Jory. Um, yeah, I mean, like I'll say, I wasn't going to come in and, and play in the no. Stanley Cup. For, for you don't do that. Time. And you yeah. don't do that to a guy either. I mean, my no. goodness. I, I mean, I mean, on Twitter, reactionary, you know, I called for it right away. I'm like, come on, you got to change them. I don't care who's coming, you know. Like, right, right. I was, I was ready for uh, – for them to pull in uh, the guy that handed the stick to to Sid to score the goal, I'm like somebody, you wanted you wanted you wanted Ken Raggett to, anybody, to dust it off. Anybody, somebody had to come in because I mean at at that point it it really looked like uh, the Islanders could afflict it from their own blue line and just skipped it in. And, you yeah, know, he he was missing everything. I mean, he wasn't even reading icings correctly. No, you know, and and that almost caused another goal. So it, it's you get to that point where you know we just saw it with will craig in miniature the other day right he had he had this just everybody blank. saw it gary everybody uh, saw it yeah and everyone will see it for a long time <laughs> it was just a complete brain fart but it's one play there you know when you when you start seeing it on the ice and you watch it just piling on a guy where he's just making mistake after mistake and it's it's like wow I, you know he he needs to get away from this for a second you know um and I'll tell know. you, I'll tell you, the thing that bothered me is that, that, you know, I, I understand how he probably felt after that happened um, to not, to not be available after that. I, I thought, I, I don't like that. I think, I think you have to stand up there and be a professional about it. Answer some questions. Um, I thought it looked I thought it reflected poorly on him. I don't, you know, obviously. Are I, you I, talking I, about the, the double overtime loss? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I say that, <laughs> that play, um, I, I thought he should have st- stood up there and uh, answered some questions or made a few statements and, and not make your teammates do it for you and show uh, whether, whether it's true or not, show that you're willing to stand up there and take the heat. So, yeah. He has sense, you know, now, yeah. but I, I, I get what you mean. Like that night that said, um, as we, I mean, I, you and I go back and forth on this on Twitter a lot. We we hear a comment from somebody, and my first thing I know you what is, you're gonna say. I know well, my first say. thing to you is almost <laughs> always, "What did you think he was gonna say?" You know, right? That, it's almost like, uh, you know, your wife who doesn't cook very often comes in and goes, "Here's this meal I made for you," and you, you eat it, and she goes, "How was it?" And you go, "Awesome," you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it may be awesome, it may be okay. It may just be that you, you know, don't want to pile on right that second. You know, it. I I feel like what are they going to say though? Are they going to say they don't trust the guy who's very likely coming back and being a goalie for them next year? You know, I don't think any of them are in a position to sit here and say they don't trust him. But no, no, they're gonna they're gonna say that they're they're uh, it's just they're they're that's obviously 
the the line you take and it's your teammate and quite possibly your friend so um that that is what you're going to say um and moving forward you even mentioned it i i you obviously on twitter see this where you know they got to get rid of him they he's he's not going to play another game for the penguins i i, I hate to i hate to disappoint people uh i love I, to disappoint people <laughs> but he no he will be back next year yeah right what they can do a little better is get somebody viable to back them up and and it's not that that casey de smith didn't ha- didn't do well it's you know he, he did fine but i just think they need somebody that's maybe got a little bit more of a veteran presence i really hate going into the stanley cup playoffs with two goalies like this year two goalies that have no experience playing in the playoffs you know and next year okay, you'll have some experience, but it's a really bad experience. I don't know if I want that any more than I want no experience, you know? I yeah. Mean, Bobrovsky started somewhere too, you know, before he became like this legend of playoff losses. You know, um, how, how many years do you sacrifice to that altar? Continuing to try to get him to, to be a playoff goalie when it's just not been there. And um, I don't know. I mean, Tristan Jari is one topic we'll get into a little bit more here. But let's take a quick we could, break. We could fill up a whole series or segment on that. But, yeah, it's listen, it's not fair to put it all on Jari. No. I mean, how many different ways do you want to say the goalie stunk? He did. He knows it. The coaches know it. The players know it. None of them are going to say it. Right. You know, that's our job to say it. And, and, I, <laughs> and I think we've said it enough. So let's move on to the next subject when we come back from this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, and we are back. And uh, how can you talk about the Penguins exiting the playoffs without bringing up the core? I mean, (laughs) the core, Latang, Malkin, Crosby, you know, they're all under contract again one more year they all have no movement clauses nobody in their right mind would move Crosby to begin with um you know but we hear this every year it's a it's the first thing that comes up after a playoff loss it's uh, trade Malkin trade Latang. it's time to blow up the core let's rebuild but yeah I I mean I hear all that but I don't know that there's a defenseman they have that played better than Chris Latang this year I don't want to, I don't really want to blame him for this. I don't. And Malkin was injured most of the year. And I thought he played his strongest game of the series in game six. I really did. I mean, he was, he was a a man amongst boys in that on the ice that night. And it's really hard for me to sit here and say that the core was responsible for it. Although I think Crosby's line probably needs adjusted a little bit. What about you, Jim? I mean, you, you ready to start the, the rebuild for real? Or do you just let it play out? You know, I think this is one of those times whenever it's so easy to overreact after um, a series like that. And um, I, I look at it like this. If we had, if we even had um, 
slightly above average goaltending. We're probably having a different conversation right now about the Pens and their next opponent and whatnot. Um, so I think if you take that into consideration and uh, just the fact that you know, the Islanders seem to give them some problems uh, at certain times of the year, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I think there's a lot of positives. Hard, it's hard to do that right now. There's a lot of positives with this team and it looks like the window is not as closed maybe as we thought it was, you know, um, or that it was closing quicker than we thought it was. And I, I just, I, I cannot, I'd, I'd be really hesitant to do anything that's um, kind of a extreme makeover edition here of, of the pens. That's just me. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think that it would be extremely difficult to move Evgeny Malkin for any value. I really do. I mean, he makes 9.5 and I, I think that in order to, to get anything worthwhile out of him, it's going to take a very special team in a very special position. And I don't see a lot of people that are, close enough that they think adding him would change their dynamic that have that kind of cap space, especially in a year like this. Uh, I think he's probably more valuable to us here than there. Um, Chris Letang is still in my mind, a top 10 defenseman in this league, I would say. He really, he really impressed me this year, and in, even in the postseason. I just, uh, if there was a guy who kind of answered some questions about whether he's still playing well, I think he's, I think he's the guy that did that for me. Yeah, he he definitely looked good, and and Sid, you know, he had a great season. I I mean, I, Sid is is still the best two way player in the entire game. He really is. And hundred percent, hundred percent, and. Uh, you know, that includes Patrice Bergeron. And I, I just, I think he, he really is still that kind of good. That said, I think it's time to stop giving him what he wants on his line all the time. I think he needs size. I think he's needed size for quite some time. Uh, he wasn't a fan of skating with Patrick Hornquist. He probably should have been, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that, that brings up a good point about letting – listen, Crosby, you know, he has he has a big voice on that team. Um, of course and, he does, yeah. And they've given him what he wanted – he has wanted on his lines for a long time. And they always haven't been, uh, you know, good pairings. Uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to necessarily work out. I do find it interesting – that uh, it's it's kind of like, you know, Crosby. Listen, listen. I love Sidney Crosby, um, but they they cater to him as they obviously should, and as teams do when you have mega stars. Um, but he doesn't seem to get the same uh, vitriol as maybe Ben does with the Steelers. Just uh, and Ben does has a big say too. Uh, it's just one of those things that I've always found a little interesting. Is that is that Crosby. Uh, seems to kind of maybe get a little bit of a pass there. And it, and, and quite honestly, sometimes it hasn't worked out. Yeah. But it's one thing if he's begging for, you know, Simone to be on his right wing. <laughs> yeah. You know, because Simone's not going to score, but he was a Corsi God. So everybody, everybody was like, Oh, okay, well I get it this year. You go into the playoffs, you have a line that has been the best line in hockey. Maybe I hate the perfection line, but maybe the perfection line was better. But I think the first line in Pittsburgh was formidable all regular season. And it's because of, of what we talked about. The way that the games are officiated in the regular season affords you guys not getting mugged the way they were <laughs> like when they when they come into the into the offensive zone. So you're going to pick up some penalties, even if Rust and Gensel are undersized, right? Right. And in the playoffs, those penalties go away. The abuse steps up. You start just getting manhandled. And it's a bad time to change something you've been doing for all season long. 
you know, so I, I kind of understand why it doesn't change, but at the same time, it needs size. Like it just absolutely needs to have some kind of size component. And before yeah. the, before the playoffs started, I was like, maybe let's put Carter up there. You know, I think it's nice having those three as centers straight down the line, but Teddy Bluger's no slouch either. So I would have been happy with him being the third line center and let Goudreau be the fourth line center and move everybody up so that you got some size on that first line. The, Again, understand not doing it, but. The beauty of Jeff Carter is you can, uh, he's, man, he's just, he's just a good hockey player. You could put him anywhere and I think he's going to succeed or be effective. Um, so, and, and I'll tell you somebody that, <laughs> You know, you watch a playoff series, and uh, especially one like that, yeah. Uh, who I almost felt bad for at times was Jake Gensel, uh, because of that size issue. You know, he and what a what a tough little guy he is, but he's undersized, and he he was taking a beating that whole series. Um, and he's fought and through it in the past. He know? has, but since. You know, he came back from the, the catastrophic shoulder injury, and I'm not saying he's afraid or anything, but I haven't seen the same kind of uh, willingness to take a beating and jump right back up. And you know what I mean? It, it does seem like it takes a, a half a second longer for him to get back into the play. It takes, you know, again, I w- I'm not putting Jake Gensel down, but between no. him and Rust, you have to have somebody on that line that, that can kind of force their way into the areas they need to get into. And it's something you're going to have to address. And it's not putting them down. You know, it's just, it's just a fact of the matter is you need a little bit more muscle and a little bit more size. And um, he's just, I mean, he's incredibly talented and skilled, um, but you can see how things um, affect him just because it's 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 like a little receiver that's got to go across the middle all the time it's hard to make it's hard to make a living doing that consistently year after year after year especially when you're in the playoffs as much as the penguins are um you know it shouldn't it shouldn't shock us at times that sometimes that's just not effective yeah i mean but you watch it you watch it happen a lot and i i mean i think there's other things that that we talk about with crosby where you know, he does like certain line mates more than others. And this seems like probably the third or fourth consecutive year that I can think of. They brought somebody in specifically to be his right wing. And then that person not only never really gets a shot at it, but <laughs> and Kapanen was that example this year. Kapanen was brought in with the thought that he would be Sidney Crosby's right wing. And they went right back to rust. Because that's what Crosby wants. And again, regular season, I can't complain. They got a ton of goals. They did well. I'm not sure Kapanen on the first line helps really in the playoffs either. I, I think you still have a size issue there. Um, but somebody along the line before they acquire people needs to start understanding what it is Sid wants and balance it with what the team needs. You know, And I think that's why I like I like the idea of moving Carter up there because I think that that veteran presence and he's still got the speed and size and I think he can finish. He can also play make. I think it's a good match for Crosby. And I hope next year they think of using him a little bit differently. But since I heard Sullivan preach up and down already how much he loved that strength down the middle um, with this specific team, I, I smell it coming back next year as exactly the same thing. So, yeah. He def- Solomon definitely seems to be um, a little hesitant sometimes to, to make changes and, and mix things up. Um, and maybe it's just, you know, sometimes that's hard to coach out of coaches. Uh, especially yeah. when you, especially when you get in the middle of playoff series and you don't want to do too many, too much tinkering and uh, disrupting things, but uh, he seems to be a little reticent in that regard. And sometimes I think a lot of us are sitting there screaming for some, you know, you know, just try to inject some life into some things 
and or hey hey maybe match lines every once right. in a while like when you have the home the home ice maybe use it maybe get Sid away from Casey Zizekas you know like don't maybe, yeah maybe don't match him up against Patrice Bergeron like he doesn't need to be going against the other team's very best line all the time every single night I mean get some get some toughness against that you know have have Bluger play those guys you know yeah and and look Sid's not I, Sid's not 23 anymore. You know, uh, it's good to to think think of things like that, where you, you know, you, like you said, you don't have to have him out there squaring up against the ones all the time. Uh, right. And and he, he's at that age where, I mean, look, I don't see a slippage, but I, what I am saying is is help help him. He he he's not indestructible either. You know yeah. and it's like you know we're watching you know his his career's always been pinned to ovechkin right so we're watching ovechkin get older right ovechkin's becoming more and more of a power play specialist i mean he he still plays five on five i'm not saying i'm not trying to take anything away from him he he is the grade eight for a real for a reason but caps fans incoming on gary's twitter in three two one well i could care less honestly (laughs) but the uh the when you watch him, you know he he plays one one half of the ice. You know he he's doing what what a lot of hockey players did, got by with in in the late '80s and early '90s, where where they almost cherry picked a little bit, right? Oh yeah. Well, Sid still plays 200 feet, so right. For Sid to still be doing what he's doing at this age is kind of incredible. And if he slows down a half a step, man, how could you take anything away from him? I understand it. I completely he's he throws everything he has into it at all times at some point though you got to surround him with people that are going to help take care of him a little bit like you can't be having him get get cross-checked and pinned and smashed into the boards by two people every line rush because it only takes half an arm to hold jake gensel down you know there's got to be somebody out there helping him bang a little bit and I mean, I really think that's probably the biggest change that has to take place on the team, and we should probably address who they need to make sure they keep, right? I mean, I think the big ones for me, Teddy Bluger, got to make sure they find a way to keep him. And is Freddie Goudreau that good that you really care that much about keeping him? I liked him, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I feel like they need to overpay for somebody like that. He's impressed me at times, but I don't know that you see it consistently enough at this point with him. I, yeah, I, I think he's obviously I think I think Bluger is is far more of a of a guy you make sure you want to keep around. Um, Goudreau, I, I don't see it. I think he is a replaceable piece and certainly not if you're gonna, if he's going to command anything that uh, approaches you know, um, I would hope to be able to get him on a little bit of a deal that was more um, team friendly. But if someone, if if there's more out there, then I I don't hesitate with him. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the only other player besides Bluger that I think is a must keep is Cody Cece. And that I mean, guy. He that guy. <laughs> but that guy where did, was. Where did that was, come from? He was supposed to be depth, <laughs> really. I know, and man. Did he come in and just play his backside off? That I mean, he impressed me with the offensive side of his game, and I think what what took me by surprise because I thought he would he would give a little bit of that. What took me by surprise with him was the defensive side of his game. If you told me that he and Mike Matheson were going to pair up all season long, I would have thought they'd be minus thirty. I mean, yeah, neither of them he, played defense before this season, really. And 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 going back, I mean, when they acquired both of them, um, it, I mean, some people laughed about it, you know, in oh, the yeah. sense of, I, I mean, the, they they just couldn't understand um, uh, the reasoning behind it, and uh, I don't know that I was that harsh on it, but I certainly didn't get excited, and uh, of course, both of them. Uh, 
make decent amount of money too. I think uh, even uh, CC is two three million a year at this point. And one one point two five. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, that's wow. what I mean. Okay. They they literally picked him up off the scrap heap of free agents. Wow. He was not expected to be a, a, a contributor to this level at all. And just came in out of nowhere. And, you know, now he's a free agent. He's resurrected his career entirely. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. I thought he was still in the two, three million range. Yeah. But Cody CC is somebody they're going to have to at least try to see if there's a way they can keep him. I mean, because that's, they don't have a lot of right-handed defensemen in the first place. And man, I, I really feel like he gave them a second wave of offense from, from that side of the ice. And, and it wasn't all on the tang anymore to play, you know, 28 minutes a game. So very important to me and, that they find a way to keep him. And that's what we're talking about here, right? Too, is just, you, you got this core that I don't think is going anywhere. I mean, I just, I don't feel it to, either, man. I, yeah. yeah I, I mean, people love to talk about it and that's fine. Um, and it's sometimes fun to do that. But um, again, we're talking about three guys. They're all aging and getting them help or keeping help around them, you know, as, as they get older. And if you're going to keep, if you're going to keep these guys and not break them up, then that you'd think that would be the focus. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's another thing we have to talk about. Let's take another break here. But when we come back, Let's talk about size being in vogue in the NHL again. And if, if they go ahead and add size, what does that mean to the players and the coaches? Up, I think we need to talk about just the NHL in, in general. It kind of seems to be going back to a more heavy game. Um, and maybe it never really got away from it. If you've watched out West, you know, a lot of the teams out there kind of never lost their size. So maybe it's kind of just the East is, is transitioning back over to that style of game a little bit. Um, that's not Solly's game, though. You know, Solly's game is all speed and skill, right? So if Burke and Hextall decide to alter this roster drastically and and they bring in size, slower players, you know, say the third and fourth line become traditional grinding lines, you know, where they just go out there to check and beat people up and, you know, uh, cycle the puck and eat up time. Can he coach that kind of game? He's shown no willingness whatsoever to do that in the past. When they brought in Ryan Reeves to, to try to add some size and protection for the stars, he just didn't play him. I'm afraid if you give him a third and fourth line like that, the first and second are just going to play 25, 26 minutes a game. And, <laughs> you know, how, how long of a leash do you give him? He, he certainly earned time, but it's the NHL. He's probably on borrowed time as a head coach as it is. I think it's awfully difficult to ask someone like Sullivan to, to make that switch. I just don't think it's in his DNA. And um, we've already talked about his hesitancy to do things, you know, in season and in game and in series. Um, if, if that kind of mantra came down from a top, from, you know, from top, top, I don't know that it's that realistic. And I think too, like you said, once you get into actual gameplay, I mean, do those minutes start shifting more towards how he, how he wants to, how he wants to do it. I think that's a, that's a conversation. Boy, you'd love to be a fly on the wall right now, a little bit with them. And maybe they haven't even gotten into it, right. but I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I, I don't even know if that's fair to ask someone like Sullivan to do that. It's just not the way he wants to uh, attack the ice and um, go about, you know, uh, his, his, uh, his game plans. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like if you're going to return most of the team, 
you know, your skill, like the top six are pretty set. I mean, we, we know who they are. They're going to be yeah. here. Um, you know, Zucker's got too much contract to even think about trying to move, you know, mm-hmm. so you're going to have a top six that returns for the most part. Maybe, maybe they'll lose somebody in the expansion draft, but either way, the composition of those lines isn't going to change drastically from in, this. Do you, do, you, do you think it's possible to do a hybrid uh, version? I think that's so tricky, um, you know, of, of trying to mesh what, what really is two, two opposite styles. Um, that used to be, that used to be every NHL team. It used to be what every single one of them had. They had a scoring line, a checking line, an energy line. You know, maybe you had two scoring lines. If you if you even look at old video games, for God's sake, you know, like NHL '94 or whatever. <laughs> what were the what were the lines called? They were called scoring one, scoring two, checking energy. Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, that's the way hockey used to be. And it's gotten away from that. Sullivan wants all speed and skill all throughout, right? They don't call any of them a checking line. And and they're not sending people out with, with that kind of uh, an idea. Basically what it is now is if you play third and fourth line, you better be able to kill penalties. That's, that's the role. It's no longer that the third line is supposed to be out there checking. It's the third line supposed to be out there chipping in, scoring, controlling the puck, holding on to it, and killing penalties that the first two lines are creating, you know? It, Which I thought they did a decent job of this year. I mean, obviously. Sure, sure I they mean, did. But if, you, if you're now going to say, hey, the fourth line needs to carry a little bit of weight and needs to go out there and make sure that Tom Wilson leaves Sid alone, you know, or... <laughs> Or you want to go out there and, and make sure that um, one of them every once in a while can pop up to the top line to give Sid a little size. Maybe that's as simple as this is. Giving Sid an extra guy that can just pop up there every once in a while, like Hornquist used to, to throw his weight around a little bit and, and open some ice up for those guys. I mean, right now they really don't have that option. You, you know, your biggest guy is Zach Aston Reese, but he can't keep up with Sid. No, no, no that, that's he you don't know, hit, and no matter how old Sid gets, he'll never be able to keep up with Sid. Right. So I mean, you you do have players that that can bounce around and whatnot, but our biggest hitter is Brandon Tanev, and he's not a big guy. No, I saw I saw how uh, much he led the Pens and hits, and I forget the disparity, but that that speaks volumes right there. One of uh, you know of him and. <laughs> The hockey badger doesn't care. He will just go after anybody and hit anything that moves. And you're talking about a guy that missed a quarter of the season and still led the team and hits by that disparity. Right. So as much of a compliment as to him, you know, it's obviously a detriment to, you know, the fact that the pens, they they struggle to play a physical game. So, um, so, so I mean, let's get back to the core of the question though. Can Sully coach that style? And, and let's just pretend that, you know, does he even can want to have, I don't think he does. It's not no. his system, you know, and he's been very stubborn about that system, I think. And, you know, I'm not in that room. I don't know. I don't know if he talked to GMJR and he would say, Hey, I, I'm bringing in this tough guy for you. And Sullivan's like, yeah, cool, man. And then he gets him and just, I'm not going to play him. That old, that old man don't know what he's doing. Or was it, he never agreed to it, brought him in anyway, and the inevitable happened. You know, we don't know how that conversation went down, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, I watched firsthand. He didn't get used. And I watched firsthand how the players like Sidney Crosby wanted him around, <laughs> you know? So this wasn't a Sid thing. This was Sullivan not thinking he fit his system. Well, and the interesting dynamic now is you've got Burke and Hextall and, um, Burke especially doesn't strike me as the type that uh, is going to uh, acquiesce to other people all that much and he's going to do what he wants to do um, yeah, so and you're not going to and you're not going to not return a coach that 
just won a division title, you know, in, in a very difficult situation too. I mean, they unless won. there's just a complete one of those agree to mutually part ways because, yeah. yeah but other than that, let's be honest, that's not going to happen. And, no. and you got returning stars and, and the returning stars are all going to give Solly their vote of confidence and everything, just like they did for Jari. <laughs> and they're going to, you know, he's going to be the coach at least starting the season. But, but it, my, my question is, if you change the makeup of the team, A, do you think he can do it? And if not, how long of a leash do you give him to do it? You know, do, do you give him like the Johnson treatment where he gets, you know, a couple months can you afford to do that? How do you go it's, about it? It's funny too, when you think about it, sometimes the parallels between um, the Penguins and the Steelers of what they're in the, both the situations they're in about um, getting it at the end of things with people's careers and how much time do you have to give to uh sort them out or are you going to kind of waste what little bit you have left and um obviously the Steelers are much more advanced in that stage but you know these things are coming for the Penguins as well I think if I think if a no I don't think Sullivan is capable when it really comes down to it he's not capable and he's certainly not interested in it um and then it comes down to the fact that I think another, if you had another flame out next year, I, I do think you might see a first round flame out like this. I do think you, you, you might see some changes, but I, I don't see it any sooner than that. I think we'll see some changes anyway, because you know, it's the Tang's last year under contract. It's Malkin's last year under contract and, you know, they're going to have to make calls as to whether they think they want to continue with them or not. And I, I would have to say it's probably not, you know. <laughs> yeah, to be clear, what I I was meaning more Sullivan, but yeah, obviously contractually with, with a couple of these these guys, they, they, they clearly can go that route if they want to. Well, that's um, part of why I, I feel like just returning everybody is the best course of action right now because – I, I, yeah. do, I do think they were a goaltender away from at least getting into the next round. I can't sit here and say that I think they would have beat Boston. I don't. But um, I will be honest. I think they had a better shot against Boston than the Islanders. Again, because the Islanders are rope-a-dope for them. They just let the, let the Penguins get punch drunk. You know, <laughs> the double overtime game, they threw, what, 70 shots on them? Yeah. Well, at least 60 of them were from outside the circles. Right. And that people got real caught up in that stat. Oh, you know, all the shots and all the scoring chances. I mean, when you, if you're, if you were really watching the game and looking at some of the data, we, we weren't talking, you know, uh, these high scoring opportunities. There were some of those. I yeah. Mean, I missed the net 22 times. So, I mean, right. You know, they've tried 90 some shots, you know, and, People wanted to turn around and act like Sorokin was the Vezina, you know, candidate or something. But, you know, yeah, he made some great saves and he didn't allow a lot of rebounds. So for that, yes, he played an excellent game. He really did. But the Penguins didn't challenge either. A lot of those shots were not challenging shots. And there was no traffic and nobody to get traffic. I, I mean, I, I just don't think it's all on Jari, but I, I, I do think Jari alone was enough to lose that series. And if he had been decent, decent, that's all, just decent, they win right. that series. And that tells and me what... that, that tells me they cracked through what the Islanders were trying to do, you know? Yeah, and, and that's why you do sit here and you say, and that's, that's where, you know, a GM's job comes in and obviously uh, the coaching staff and whatever. And that's why I don't think you, you hit the detonate button for a lot of reasons um, is because they were that close. You know, um, and so to sit there and just turn uh, turn the page completely with some of the situations they have going on with guys and their contracts, I just don't think it's I just don't think it's something you do. And uh, clearly, right after the game, everybody was in not everybody, but 
a lot of people were in detonate reactionary mode, which is understandable. People were pissed, but it doesn't make sense right now for this for this team and this organization. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, we see a very similar team come back, and um, boy, it'd be really nice if if either of those two draft picks, uh, Pulon or, or Ligari, could could come up here and, and inject some youth into this team. You know, maybe it's best to let some people like like Zach Aston Reese go and. You know, potentially Jared McCann, I think, is, is a good candidate to, to lose in the expansion draft. Um, not that I He's, want him to go, but. Yeah, he he almost seems like the textbook kind of guy that you do lose in an expansion draft, right? Yes. And I, and I just don't see any way around it. I, th- I think he's almost he's almost he's almost the best candidate to get picked up. He really is. Yeah. I, I, I just look at him and I think, you know, cause he's got, obviously he's got some ability, he's got some skill and um, that's going to be attractive in that scenario. It's hard for the penguins to keep him. It just seems like a guy you pluck, right? Yeah, it really does. And uh, I mean, on top of everything else that we watched, we got to see Mark Andre Fleury win a game seven last night. You know, um, just to bring that pain full circle. and um, I'm sure nobody noticed that. I'm sure a lot of people did. But, <laughs> I mean, all in all, good season. Congratulations. Thanks again, Penguins. But, man, much like the Steelers, you cannot just keep bowing out in the playoffs and have that kind of talent or, or on your team. You have to get a little further than that. And I think against the Islanders, it hurts extra bad because they just don't have the names. It's a system beating them. It really is. And it's a system that Trotz ran with much better players in Washington and barely ever got past the Penguins. So it's very, very ironic. Yeah, it is. And I mean, like, to be honest, this year, the draw I really wanted was the Capitals. I thought we could have beat the Capitals pretty handily. And I think we would have because that would have been like two prize fighters just swinging at each other. And I think the Penguins come out on top there. I really do. Well, and isn't that the danger, too, is everyone gets real caught up in, we want to play this team. We got it, you know, don't avoid this this scenario. And the, the reality is, is sometimes you just never know. It's and only a danger can... if we're making the schedules, man. We're not. Like, <laughs> we're not. Like, we can talk about who we want to play all we want. It doesn't matter. I, I think the Capitals are a good matchup because uh, I didn't I didn't trust their goaltending. I don't trust their defense. And I felt like uh, the Penguins probably could have got by them. Boston scared me because uh, – of their physicality and uh, their ability to score. Plus they had a goaltender that could take over a series and uh, the Islanders, just because their system is a mirror image of the Penguins system. It's, it's the exact opposite. Everything the Penguins want to do, the Islanders are more than happy to let them do it. And it just, it doesn't go well. That's all. No. And, and you brought it up earlier. I, I don't, I, you know, after watching that series, a series against Boston. I don't know if the Penguins make it through both of those consecutively just right. because of the style. And um, that, that would have been in hindsight, looking at it now. Um, that's a, that's a tall task for the Penguins, the way they're built. So, so hopefully maybe they do that. Maybe they can get a little bit more size or muscle in there and try to balance things out. That's right. And I think uh, maybe that's, probably the best way to end this is you know we've talked a lot about maybe changing the team maybe just return it oh maybe we were just a goaltender away maybe we were just a goaltender away for the islanders series but maybe it was a little more than a goaltender if we wanted to go much further than that and since that is the goal every year when you have Sidney crosby of genny malkin and chris letang maybe you do have to look at ways to build a team that can get past some of the other competition in the East and keep in mind that it's no longer just going to be a bunch of Metro teams. Yeah. You're looking at it 
um, from two different angles. Everyone wants to say, well, better goaltending, we get past the Islanders. Okay, but then what? Right. So, I don't know. I think that puts a pretty good bow on the season. Um, better luck next year. Believe it or not, you know, here we are. It's it's June, and um, it feels like uh, because for the first time in a while, we're going to have a regular hockey season, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. So um, we, we'll be looking at it starting back up here in what, August, September? You know, yeah. Start getting into training camp and whatnot. So, yeah, and I, th- I think too, you know, hey, look, the, the thing you can take from this season is that, uh, like I said, I think that 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 window in window isn't maybe as closed as we thought it was um, heading into this season. And, you know, if you're trying to put a, your rational cap on, which is hard after that, but there's there's an opportunity there, I think. So we'll see. I agree. Now, Gino, go get knee surgery or whatever you need to do. And come back in shape. <laughs> and I, I don't care how you do it, but come come in hockey shape this year and, and let's get after it, man. Like give me the best Gino I've seen in three years and 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 they've got a shot. Throw that weight around a little bit. You know, we talked which about he, getting, which we he talked did. About getting well he in ga- in game six he did that. That's that's what I'm saying. In game yeah. six he was great and that's the type of performance that we need to see from him more often in the playoffs. As much as we talk about getting bigger and having some size, there there's plenty of guys on this team that do have size and don't use it. So I'd really like to see the guys who do have that ability and do have that in them to start throwing their weight around a little more. So um, can't just be Brandon Tanov bouncing off people. You know, it, you, you got to have more than that. Size so. matters, Gary. Okay. (laughs) I mean, no, it's true. It does in the NHL and and it's something that we did get away from a little bit, but again, I think we need to quit getting caught flat footed that the refs are going to change the way they call the games in the playoffs. You got to go into it just knowing that's what's going to happen and don't be afraid to get in the ditch and and have a dirty fight. That's what, that's what they want to have. Let's have a dirty game. Yeah, we'll do. I agree. I agree. You know, to keep expecting the NHL to do something differently is, well, that's the definition of in, in, insanity at this point. So, yeah. and, a, and a, a dirty game doesn't mean that you get beat and use your stick to, to wakeboard behind the guy into the offensive zone like Gino does sometimes. I, I mean, like be assertive phys- physically. Right. And, and that's what we need to see a little bit more of. But hey, that's a conversation for next season. Uh, as far as uh, this season goes, I think we've we've done about as good a job as we can of covering some of the issues here. So, yeah, man, this was note, fine. Yeah, let's go ahead. And, and may it may be a bit maybe a bit cathartic at the end of the day too. Yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit better, and and I'll be honest, you know, I could never feel as depressed as I probably will after the Pirates doubleheader today. So, <laughs> well, at least the weather's beautiful. So, uh, oh, it's yeah. gorgeous weather for a double header. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad. But uh, anyway, hey, good talking to you, Jim. Why don't you tell people how to get a hold of you? And yeah, uh, again, Gary, great talk today, man. I, I had fun. I think this uh, this will be a good one for people to listen to and maybe get a little bit more perspective on the season. Uh, but yeah, so. Um, on Twitter all the time. Again, like I said earlier, it's for the city underscore 412 or at jimstam22. Uh, give me a follow. I'll follow you back. And um, um, yeah, love talking sports. Pittsburgh, all the way. Pirates, Steelers, Penguins, and Pitt Panthers. So appreciate it, man. All right. And I'm Gary Morgan. Uh, GaryMO2007 on Twitter, or you can search me on Facebook at Gary Morgan. Um, I'll talk about any sport in Pittsburgh happily. I'll talk about Pittsburgh happily. I'll talk about just about anything but politics. And I'll usually follow back. If you call players names, I'll probably stop following you. I just don't get off on that. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and have a good conversation wherever you choose to get a hold of us. You can use the asylum on DK Pittsburgh sports. We love talking there, there as well. And uh, no reason to ever end the conversation just because the show ends. 
hit us up anytime. We love having these conversations about sports. Um, let's go, Pens, and let's hope the offseason doesn't feel as long as it does uh, on the surface. Yeah.